should you decide to accept it. Yeah, anyway, I was about to talk about Working Class Hero and the fucking internet. Oh. Of course the internet. Jeff Bezos doesn't want me talking about that shit. Um, this is all the record companies' uh, <laughs> dastardly plans to hold down 10 machines. I know. To hold down your mission pod. Fucking <laughs> yeah. talking about real shit right here, man. Yeah, yeah. Blowing up the truth. Yeah, man. Uh, getting censored for it. Well, That's... look, I, I think... Probably most of you are pretty familiar with my politics, Working. as it were. And this is a great song. I this is so the song itself, like as a song, is like fine. It's okay, but I think like in pop music, like these kinds of lyrics are not typical. And I think it's no coincidence. Like he covered this. They covered this song. It was a back to basics authenticity, like, bar band type of thing. So it doesn't surprise me that they covered this. And there are just lines in here, in this song, that I just desperately fucking feel, like, very much. And, I don't know, it's, it's definitely my favorite. I, I think the cover is actually really good. I think it actually adds something to it. I think Bowie sings okay. it, like, he fucking means it. Also, like, it's, okay, 1989, and coming out of like what was like like basically the takeover of like supply side economics and the Reagan years and so of course like the go back to basics back to authentic back to making like cool music and away from this like dance stuff that is like disposable is to invoke this song right I, I don't know it's definitely my favorite song on the it's definitely my favorite song on the record and I have a kind of ongoing Beatles covers list, and this isn't a Beatles song, this is a John Lennon song, but it's definitely going on that playlist, for sure. Yeah. This is a really cool, interesting cover of this song. I think so. that's close enough, and it counts for a Beatles playlist. <laughs> for, for sure, yeah. I would not be um, angered at finding this on what I suspected to be a Beatles playlist. <laughs> yeah, it's like a... It would be a happy time. I think, I don't know, I might have it... I don't know. I don't know if I have it on YouTube, but like I try to find like some weird ass covers. There's a Stevie Moore like cover of like she said. I don't know. There's just weird shit on there. But this line keep you dupped with religion and sex and TV, and you think you're so clever and classless and free, but you're still fucking peasants as far as I can see. Yeah. <laughs> That's just how the fuck did you? How the fuck is that a pop song? I don't know, man. So that's hard. That's tough, as the kids say these days. Tough. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's my number one. And actually, I put it in my cut as track one. Because I felt like right. this is like a better introduction to the whole theme. Right? <laughs> like to the whole theme yeah. of the record. That's what I was thinking, too, is like... It's it brings that attitude of taking rock and roll back from the corporate rock sound. If one of the biggest pop stars in the world is, or rock stars, or one of the biggest musical acts in the world is capable of doing that, like, this kind of feels like it was trying to do that. It was trying to dial in that, like, high-press studio sound and add in a little bit of grime. And, yeah, working yeah. classy road works for that. If you're going to include a cover song, you could do a lot worse than this. Yep, yeah. yeah. Um, These are facts, yeah. 
Okay, so then let's see here, Jenny. You also had Pretty Thing on your cut, so. I did. Tell me. This one, it, it's at the bottom of my cut, which means I'm not, I'm not about to embark upon an impassioned defense of every moment of it, but yeah. this is like one that I've always liked. It's never been a favorite, but it's one that I've always liked. And it feels to me, I guess when I was listening to it at the time in whatever, 1987 or whatever, I was unaware of things like things that didn't exist. I think they didn't. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they didn't exist yet. Oh, Nine Inch Nails Closer. And this kind yeah. of, to me, feels like a different music, but a similar vibe, maybe? In as much as it's just, like, very... Yeah, like, I feel like it's, like, sort of the precursor to stuff like that, in a way. And I guess that's maybe just, like, my opinion, man, or whatever. But, <laughs> like, I have been thinking about that, and I've realized that there are things that, that I now, today, associate it with that I didn't at the time, because it didn't exist as far as... So can you tell me... I think when, the yeah. timing's right for when that. Did you, like, 90s, When right? did you first listen yeah. to this? This is... Your dad had this? Is that right? When it came out. Wow. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah. And, yeah. and your dad yep. was a big fan. Yeah, he. Uh, I was telling Lewis, I think, before he got here, that he was. I was FaceTiming him earlier, and I was like, "Oh, we're doing Tin Machine today," and he was like, "Yeah, it's pretty good." And I said, well, "I was sticking around that time frame," and he was like, "Oh, yeah, around that time frame, you're not getting better than that." It's that, and it's John, John Astley's "Everyone Comes the Pilot But the Crew," and that's pretty much it from <laughs> from that time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, the thing I think about with this is that it. it sits in the space of Alonzo talking about heroes being proto shoegaze. Yeah. This has a combination of two styles. It's, it has that punk drum that's like that, yeah. that quick rhythm punk drumming. But on top of that, there is a lot of what would become like a Nine Inch Nails kind of industrial sound where it's doing the same thing as heroes where you've got this like extended sound that continues out of an instrument with like riffs punctuating it but it's like a there's like a background background note or a background sequence that's playing through it all it's interesting it, also, it, it layers a lot it and not even just from a musical perspective for once i'm not going to say that line very often so y'all can appreciate that but just in the way Add it's it like yeah in the way it's like aggressively sexual is the easiest way to describe it yeah um, yeah that I, I guess for for some reason that's that struck me as i don't how old was i in what i don't know like a seven i don't know if i listened to it directly in 87 but it would definitely have been like around maybe a year or so around that time so as a nine, eight-year-old or whatever, like I was just like, ooh, are they allowed to even do that? Because that was like a big <laughs> deal to me. I was like, whoa, David Bowie's talking about sex. <laughs> this is probably where the gift came from that you found. I think, it. yeah, I think so, yeah. He was probably performing that song, yeah. <laughs> Man, David Bowie really wants to sleep with someone, and I don't think he should have told the whole world about it. You I mean, know, that, was, yeah. that was just I mean, the thing reaction. is, it's, he's, he's definitely like very sexually, it's the word. Sure. He's just, he's very sexual. And I think in like the 70s, it was like presented in a more, let's say, I don't know, bisexual way, or at least like queer friendly way, like with his doing like Ziggy Stardust and stuff like that. And I think that, yeah, this might be, is this the most hetero 
music that David Bowie has done in his career. There's my hot take. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I sometimes wonder if it was like meant to be interpreted that way, but arguably it could have been about a man or a woman. We don't know. Arguably. That's true. That's a good point. It's saying it's like it's a, it maybe like a, it makes me think of like Judas Priest or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that it's. It was definitely his intention to make people assume it was about a woman, but I've had that thought once or twice, so I was like, that, that in theory, could have been about a man. Traditional, I would say, okay, maybe not hetero, maybe just traditional male sexual. Yeah, How's that? For sure, for sure. Traditional <laughs> um, masculinity, absolutely, right. I'm with you on that. Yeah, and that those, some of those live performances I saw on YouTube, like, it made me think of, remember that when after the STP show we watched... Like that STP concert oh, yeah. where he was just kind of Scott Weiland was just sort of slithering around like half naked. It, it was definitely a lot. It was definitely out of that playbook for sure. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> here's another thing that's interesting to me though is that there are what I would I would classify as a couple, arguably not maybe not love songs, but like love interest songs on this album. So amazing is like the cheesy one, like the super like cheesy, like sappy one. And then you have this one, which is the total other end of the spectrum, which is just like very lustful. But then in the middle, you have Prisoner of Love, which I think to me is like musically maybe what most sounds like Bowie to, to me, at least. That's like the song on here that I most am like, yeah, that sounds like Bowie to me, or as opposed yeah. to anyone else. But that one is more just like, I, I made that my, my free bird because it's more of, it's not like an amazing where everything's sappy and happy and everything's mm -hmm. great. And it's not like a pretty thing where this is arguably not necessarily about love at all, but it's more of just a, oh, there's, it's like a love song, but there's also like a protectiveness and like a, a fear for what could happen. And that's why I made it my free bird because like things aren't, ex things are complicated in uh, prisoner of love i feel or emotionally complicated at least i i think sonically it's very free like i made it my free bird mainly because it was very sonically <laughs> a free bird type of track like like the arrangement felt very free bird like maybe it's not like a 10 minute track <laughs> but the tone of this song is very uh, a, a prisoner of love you you guys are totally right though I think I need to change mine. I think you guys have convinced uh -huh. me because I, I guess, I, see, I lost the plot here. Like I, I was going for epic sounding, and I feel like maybe Crack City might be the most sort of epic sounding one, or trying to be. And but it has really nothing to do with. It doesn't have anything to do with Freebird. So I think you guys are right. I think you guys are right. You could take it either direction. It's just for this particular album, I would have a hard... I, I think I'd have a harder time going the other way with it. I think this is just an, an easier and more natural fit to, like, think about it in terms of, like, theme. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe. Speaking of the Freebird sweater song, now that we're all in agreement on mm. Freebird, yeah. uh, Alonzo, I can't read as the sweater song. Go. <laughs> I couldn't make sense of the lyrics, if he's literally, if he's literally saying like I cannot read and write, or if he's like trying to like say that like he's playing a character that cannot read or write, or if he's frustrated, I don't know. I couldn't make sense of it. I really like the song. I really like the song. It's like one of my favorite songs on the record. I just don't know what to make of it. 
Is he literally saying I can't? Is this like a literacy song, or is it like, call for help? No. <laughs> like, is, I can't is he? Read it. <laughs> is that all he's trying to tell me? I can't read. A... I'm not going to pretend to like really know what all the words are, or to have thought long and hard about them. So you can take this with the biggest grain a salt block. But I've always, for some reason, just assumed that it was he was real fucking tired of reading like the tabloid trash and just the bullshit that was like coming out of the news of the media just an exhaustion with it like i just i i think i i might be wrong but i think one of the lines is i just can't read shit anymore like i'm just tired of it yeah that makes sense (laughs) i could be wrong yeah i guess anymore i don't know what the rest is yeah so maybe it's a maybe it's a song about traumatic brain injury that's what the song is about (laughs) again ahead of his time ahead of his time the importance of tbi yeah no yeah that's basically it i can't make sense of the lyrics and i really like the song all right jenny cool bust up actually i don't know if you can easily alonzo can you switch it on for a sec because i'm gonna probably to the music in part of my rationale but all right, Bus Stop. Here's the thing about Bus Stop. Of all the songs on here, it strikes me as just the like them just having just having fun. It's like the goofiest, the bounciest, and it's like silly. The whole the lyrics, it has one of my favorite lyrics in the whole album, which just says, "I'm a young man at odds with the Bible, but I don't pretend faith never works when we're down on our knees praying at the bus stop." Which it just fucking I just find that it tickles me. It's so silly. And yet I've, I identify that w- with that as someone who's not religious and never really super concerned about the Lord above or whatever. But at the same time, like regularly, we'll just in in conversation, we'll just say, oh, for God, all the time. It's just always like there, even though I have no belief in it. But it's just so goofy. It's just so goofy that I feel like it has to get it's just so goofy and fun loving. It has to get the sweater song because I don't know what else to, to give it. I don't know what else it would be. And it, it deserves <laughs> some attention, and it's one of the few tracks that we haven't really talked about in depth at all. So I'm glad you chose it, and the fact that we can sit here and talk about the ridiculous composition. <laughs> and uh, also, uh, go ahead. I was oh. just going to say the whole idea of him being like, you say that Jesus came down and whatever, but are you sure it's him? Maybe you just ate some bad cheese. And I'm like, who hasn't, you know, been in that position? Yeah, right? it's like, definitely some silly ass Yeah. Felt like he needed to make a song about this, which I love. I just, it's just, it feels to me like he was having the most fun and did not care. We've been doing this, I think, long enough to where I may have already told this story. Which is, you know, that means we probably need to stop soon. Well, we're, thir- <laughs> we're 13 in. So, 13, uh, actually we're 14 in, counting our Weezer episode. But, but so that line reminds me of like when I went to the Cabin's Assembly of God when I was 16. Yeah, so a girlfriend of mine at the time invited me to go and I've been a non-believer for quite a long time. Like I realized when I was pretty young, pretty early on, like really early on. I don't think I had the courage to really say much to anyone or anything, anybody, for, I don't know, until I was probably like 11 or 12. And and anyway, and yeah, Ryan would, was probably one of the first people I was like, yeah, I don't really think I believe in God or anything. Yeah, I think we were, yeah, like 11 or 12 at the time, <laughs> like talking about like our experiences in churches and like rural West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. So I just knew really early on that was just wasn't me. So anyway, and 
also because I'm a loud mouth and because I'm because because I, I don't know when the appropriate time is to just like not pick a battle or at least I didn't back then like everyone well, in town knew also like that I wasn't down with any of that or whatever so I got invited to go this girlfriend invited me to go and I was just like okay I'll go I'll keep you company or whatever so I go I'd never been to, I think, Assembly of God is like a Pentecostal, fundamentalist Pentecostal, I believe. And I'd never been to any of those kinds of services. We get in there, and like probably 10 minutes in is that the speaking in tongues stuff starts happening. And yeah, I I went to Catholic church. We got our own kooky, weird shit, but that wasn't one of those things. Just people would start lifting their hands up and whatever, and, and talking, and then fainting and passing out and then there would be people in the aisles like with these like little like sheets to like cover like the women like that fainted so you wouldn't see their so if you weren't you walking by you wouldn't see their underwear like under their skirt or something do you know what i'm saying does that make sense oh because they weren't allowed to wear pants i assume Uh, i guess i don't know um that would track it true that was a little detail that that i always remember and so it was like really intense it was really intense and i was just like like, part of me was like, wow, that's crazy. And then another part of me was, like, a little threatened. Like, a little bit like, okay, what... what? So anyway, a bunch of other crazy shit happens. Then the pre, the preacher begins his, like, kind of sermon or whatever. And we're all sitting. We're all kneeling at the pew. I'm just kind of, like, just burying it or whatever. And then the preacher starts saying... He starts saying, there's a young man. There's a young man in this church who hasn't found Jesus. He hasn't been saved. And, and I know he wants to be saved and I know he's a good man, a good young man. And I know that he's just, you know, and, and like immediately I realized did it was like Did your girlfriend, like, did she set you up and was just like, yo, I'm bringing my boyfriend and they're like, we got to save him. Well, okay, so there's a couple I things. So I asked her straight up and she denied and she's not somebody that would like, I believe her. Like, we're still friends. Like, in 2020, we're still friends, and, and she's really a, a solid citizen, good person. So I, I believe her. I asked her straight up, definitely, right after that, was I set up, essentially. The second thing is, everybody in the area knew, and I really didn't try to hide it, and, and I vocalized it. At a certain age, I just got very comfortable and confident. In so it wouldn't have surprised me if someone else saw me and tipped the preacher off or even if the preacher knew who knew who knows man it it's hard to say i don't want to be like pretend like everyone knew who i was but it was like small it was grant county pendleton county weirdness and like it's a small place it's a small place yeah yeah so i remember you coming home from that and calling me being like what the fuck was this (laughs) like I, I went to, I did this thing, and this is, what the fuck is this? This fucking happened, this is bullshit. Yeah, I was really upset. Okay, so while the, while, so while the preacher's going into this shit, he's begging, basically begging me to come to the, he's basically, he's begging me to come to the, the altar, and, dude, okay, on, but, but here's the thing. Come on, I gotta get him here. Right, here's the thing, the right? The power of Christ compels you. Well, that's the my thing, God. but see, that's the thing, I was on my knees. And I was just thinking, please stop. And it might be one of the fewest, like one of the closest times that I've ever actually come close to prayer. Hey. <laughs> because I was just like, stop it. 
just you were in the position and you desperately wanted a thing. And yeah. really, I didn't have any other. That's prayer. I could have left. I guess I could have left. That would have been weird. And and like I just wanted oh, to stop. I would have been furious, and I would have been like, "I'm out." <laughs> I would have been so mad, Alonzo. I don't know how you were like that chill about it. I wasn't. Honest. I wasn't chill. I rep- I repressed the anger, and then after that, I went home and just called Ryan and <laughs> fucking vented. Yeah. Ryan. <laughs> Apparently, vented furiously, but and I was really pissed with with this girl. But like I said, she, I asked her and. She's not the kind of person that would have. I don't think well, she's not that kind, that kind of person. So it's a small area, and there weren't very many people so openly antagonistic yeah. at the time. So. At the time, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, like I really feel that because Faith did work for me. He stopped. It was ten minutes of just horrible pain. <laughs> but and it stopped. There was an end. There was an end. He gave up. And I did get to go home, and I wasn't saved. Sadly, for my soul. Um, I know it was. God it was totally like it was totally one of those like when like um, in like the X Men or with superheroes like when you have two telepaths trying to fight against each other and they're like oh you know like, like nosebleeds like scanners oh. right yeah exactly yeah. it's like scanners exactly yeah like scanners yeah his head blew up before mine did. <laughs> Before mine did. Have you guys That's ever watched, great. Have you guys ever watched the Dark Place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. I have not. Yeah. No. No. I know. I have heard about oh, it, but I've not. You would love it. Yeah, would I'm love sure. It. I would. Listen, like some of those scenes where they're just having interactions in their minds. That's what I like. Like immediately flip to, and I imagine <laughs> like Alonzo being. Yeah, dude. I was totally. Yeah, that was. So anyway, I, all that to say, I do feel that lyric a whole bunch. Yeah. <laughs> What else do we have to cover here? We should do some ratings. What else do we have to cover? I can do some ratings. In terms of my sweater song, Baby Can Dance, just because it's simple and catchy and probably one of the more straightforward pop songs on the album. Yeah, agree. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's a sweater song in that it's an easy pop song to get behind, even if the lyrics don't really do anything. And for me, that's the sweater song. Like, the lyrics are dumb, but the pop music is strong, so it's hard not to fall into its traps. This is the closest anything comes to that on the album for me. Like, there's not a whole lot of straightforward pop stuff, and I was trying to think about at the time what pop music would sound like for these guys. So, this is probably my sweater song. Just yeah, I really like the song. It made my cut. I like, I like that it was a catchy hook. It's nice to have a catchy hook in there. Not to say that there weren't others, but this is a super cool one. It, I guess one final thought is it bugged me that he... There's an interview where he was saying, like, this is what if I had continued with the Scary Monsters sound. So Scary Monsters is like the album they came out with in 1980. Yeah. And I like Scary Monsters a whole... Fu- it has a great... It has one of my favorite Bowie songs of all time, Ashes to Ashes. It's a great song. Great album. Yeah. And it pissed me off because it's he was almost like disowning Let's Dance. And I really fucking Let's Dance. And it Let's Dance, it's just different. It's not, it's just different. I think there's some great songs, just fantastic songs on Let's Dance, including the title track, including all kinds of other songs. China Girl, all the, and, and 
it's he was just like, yeah, that was like a fuck up or that was an error. Or, that was the wrong way to go in my career. And at the end of the day, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. And obviously doing something like this made him happy. But it's, I don't know, there's some of the 70s stuff that's really weird. And it didn't sell very much or it didn't work very well. Or there's some of the 70s stuff that was like huge hits. He didn't disown them, he just kept moving forward. I feel like it's his, this record, at least in his, in the big picture of his music, is a little bit of a reactionary record. It's, I fucked up and now I'm gonna run with this as a, like a penance. And, right. and I don't think it needs to be that. I was just disappointed to read that interview. And just be like, dude, don't shit on Let's Dance. That, that's a great record, man. Who cares what people say, you know? Yeah, I, I can imagine, though, for him, like that record hitting such a widespread of audience in such a hard way after being that far into your career and then it taking hold from like a record label perspective for a couple of years. I can see that leaving a bad taste in your mouth when you're David Bowie and your prolificness like just abounds across so many different types of sounds and different compositions of record. I can see Let's Dance being a bit of a sore spot for a while. I hope he came around by the end and was able to recognize the, the value in it, not just dismiss it. He made a fucking Philly soul record in the 70s, yeah. Young Americans. And it's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't like an aberration. That wasn't like, oh man, I fucked up there and didn't know what the fuck I was doing. But I feel you, Ryan. Yeah. Putting it in that from that perspective of like, all of a sudden he's like very famous again right. for a, a one particular sound. Yeah. It, you mean, know, it pigeonholes you, you probably. Yeah, you, you think about, he makes Young Americans and his Philly Soul album and it is not like in tune with the zeitgeist of the rock and roll sound. Yeah. Let's Dance coincided in a perfect way. And yeah, I could see getting pigeonholed into the guy that wrote Let's, Let's Dance after you've done so much. Probably if someone looks at you and says, Let's Dance, you might punch them in the face. That's totally <laughs> understandable. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. So, ratings? So I, in terms of ratings, I don't know. I, I worry that I, I end up too middle of the road. Like, like if this is out of five stars, this is probably a five star version of this time, the music of this time frame. Mm -hmm. I'm with your dad. Gonna get anything better in 1989? This is five years ahead of what became the biggest music in the world. It's probably the best version of the corporate rock sound because there's some genuine like soul in it. Yeah, I, this is like four and a half stars. It's not a five star in that it's not gonna be a thing that becomes like, I'm not gonna proselytize like <laughs> the like good word of 10 machine. Okay. But God damn, like if somebody wants to know what music sounded like and what like radio rock came from in like 1991, I'm going to hand them like 10 machine and say, this is as good as it's going to get. And then three years from now, it's going to be a completely different sound and it's going to be strong, but there's nothing between 1989 and 1992 that makes as most sense in terms of a radio 
rock sound that's visionary like it's ahead of grunge it's still wrapped up in the blues and rock and roll and Bowie's like overt masculinity on the tour aside <laughs> like that's it's, good, that's good. it's great like I'm not, I'm not hitting a solid album Go ahead. He became, I guess, what would pass for a bro, even though we didn't have that word then. He became he was, a bro for this. He was, was proto violent. That way. Yeah. 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 This is this is like proto STP, right? Like instead of yeah. the DeLeo brothers, you've got the Sales oh. brothers. Yo, I thought you said wildin', wildin' out, and I was oh. like, what? <laughs> yeah, he's proto wildin' out. Yeah, he's and proto Nick, proto Nick like, Cannon. It's part of what? It's part of my vocabulary right? <laughs> ryan's cool well, that's, he's, he's, that's why he's, i was like uh, ryan's in with the kids um, but i mean like that i'm pretty sure some of the links i've got up for the after party you'll see he's tanned he's like looking very normal and it's such a and i didn't connect the yeah. word bro to it until just now but yeah he wrote out he's very um <laughs> masculine very normal it, masculine this was, this was his response to all the rednecks in west virginia being like you listen to david bowie <laughs> he wears lipstick and dresses <laughs> this is yeah and then i would have been like oh go, oh just like my dick. i was gonna say just like motley Crue and poison <laughs> like, yeah. oh i see yeah, seriously, <laughs> yeah. seriously. Right. Yeah, i'm sure that he had a big hand in shaping some of the 80s outfits, obviously. Like, you can probably chalk that up to a lot of his stuff. No doubt. Anyway. Oh, so yeah, let me... Anyway. line up from Ziggy Stardust to Motley Crue, for sure. So let me, let, me give my, I, uh, let me give my review first so that, Jenny, you can have the last word, if you don't mind. Okay. okay. I was trying to think of an allegory, parable, if you will, to maybe communicate how I feel about this record. I was concerned. I hope Mabel, well, because I, I really know. want... <laughs> this is going to be a long one. I'm just going to set these down. Because... <laughs> nah, no. Nah. So, I listened to the first song. I was a little concerned. It didn't turn out to be what I thought it was going to be, which was good. This is really cool. All the things we talked about, kind of proto-grunge, and different for Bowie. All that's cool. With this sound reminds me of right is so in when we were still living in philly katie so katie is a big fan of gordon lightfoot do you know who gordon lightfoot is mm-hmm. uh sundown yeah. and the record of the Edmund fitzgerald and i don't know many other songs canadian folk singer songwriter was big in the right. 70s so anyway and Katie found out that Gordon Lightfoot was playing a show at some sort of like auditorium, like little tiny theater in northeast suburbs of Philly. And I was like, okay, I'm down. How old is Gordon Lightfoot, though? I was like, like yeah, he's probably getting up there, like, yeah, whatever. But I didn't do any research or anything. We show up, get in there, and Gordon Lightfoot gets on the stage, and he's old. I don't know how old he actually was in age, but he looked old, like really old, like death's door old, crazy gray hair, super wrinkled face. And his voice was fucked up. He has a very distinctive voice that you could just always recognize. And, and he'd blew, blown out his voice, like in just in whatever. And I remember looking around in the crowd and everyone in the crowd was probably at least 20 to 30 years older than me and Katie at the time, like in our 30s, I'm going to say. 
and which is fine. I don't, you know, I don't give a fuck about that. I, I went to an MGMT concert in Atlantic City, and it was all 16-year-olds. And they're like fucking Goomba parents picked them up at the casino at the end of the show. So, whatever. I like MGMT. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. Sure. So we were watching the show, and despite the fact that his voice is fucked up, like, they're really great songs. He had a good band. Like, it was nice. It was cool. And then something I started noticing is, like, it started, like, smelling a little bit, like, the, like, the, the venue. And I was like, that smells like farts or something. And I was like... I'm where this is going. <laughs> yeah. Did Gordon... Uh, I'm not even going to ruin it. Okay. That would have been a much better end of the story. <laughs> oh. No, I just, no, I think I, I, mean, I just... You, you I, just got done saying that, like, he was super old, and I thought you were going to be like, yeah, and he had his Depends on, and let go. I heard that halfway through the wreck of the Edmonton. That was, Stinker. dude, that was, that was the wreck. Uh, <laughs> it, it became the wreck of uh, Gordon Lightfoot's anus halfway through. Anyway. I, dude, I wish I was the, the end of the story. I wish I, was the, I wish I was the end of the story. Oh, no, it's going to be much more disappointing. Sorry. Really, what I realized was that, like, I was in an auditorium full of older people whose, like, digestive tracts, like, suck. And they were all farting. Like, the whole place was, like, just smelled like a giant fart. And, like, everyone was old, and it smelled like a giant fart. And... and I, remember, I want to know if that was real. Is that Katie's experience? Was she, like... I don't know. I mentioned it to her when I left. I was like, did you smell like farts? Maybe I was, like, right behind someone that was just farting the whole time. But it smelled like farts, dude. I swear to you. Man. I just... Because I, I want it to be. Just so in tune with the age of the crowd. You're like, I don't know, man. That's what I came away with. I came away with, I think everyone's just old and everyone's just farting. It, it's an enclosed venue or whatever. And Okay, what does this have to do with my review? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm getting more concerned as time goes on. Jesus. Uh, let me, hold on, let me pull out a music app so I can play you off stage. Like, I don't know where this story's going, but we got to wrap it up. Wrap it up, B. Yeah, you, need the, up, you need the wrap it up box. Yeah, but okay, so what I'm trying to say is, to me, I like this record, and I like Bowie, and the sound of it, it is not super interesting to me. Like, I know it's pre-grunge, but it's not super interesting to me. It's the equivalent of, like, a farty older sound. Like, and... This <laughs> the is a... sound on this album is like a farty Gordon Lightfoot sound. <laughs> it's not, it has nothing to do with Gordon Lightfoot sound. It just, it's like, I wander in, and I feel like, I wander in, I'm listening, and I feel like, yeah, some... 20, some dude 20 years older than me who has digestive tract problems is just going to start farting. Like, that, that's how I feel. That's how I feel about this record. <laughs> Good music on this that you are just shitting all over right now. No, no. So look, my, my rating is three stars. I enjoyed it. I'm glad we listened to it. I didn't know anything about it. This fills in a little piece of the Bowie story for me that I wasn't aware of. There's at least... Two or three songs here that I think I'm probably going to keep in the playlist. Just keep listening to over time. The sound in general is just not very interesting to me. Like, some of the songs overcome the sound. So that's it. That's my review. Yeah. I, already, I already thought about you and exactly, like, when I was listening to Heaven's in, uh, is in here, I was just like, oh, Alonzo's not going to love this because it's the blues. <laughs> you know, I know how you feel about that. 
Um, which is fair. It's a personal thing. It's personal taste. Yeah. Sure. Oh, we all have them. I've got mine too. <laughs> that's just that's my fine. opinion, yeah. dude. Sure. But it's actually yeah. uh, that's actually probably a little bit better than I thought you would feel about it. So that's nice. Wait. In a way. So your, well, your bar for bit... Alonzo was lower than room full of old farts. <laughs> but the music was good. The music was still good. The music was good. Yeah. Just there was a lot of farts. That's all. So. Fucked up. Fucked up. Fucked up. No, that's not fucked up, man. It wasn't. I didn't run out of the venue. Like it wasn't that bad. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Continue. I think I think I'm just mostly puzzled because I still, even with your explanation, I'm having trouble connecting your rating to this. Story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how it goes together, but that's fine. I'm not discussing farts. Right. Everyone farts. So it's I'm, not like horrible. You know? Everyone, three three stars. Everyone farts. <laughs> <laughs> That's the tagline for this. This episode should just be like Tin Machine. Also, it, and like the summary of the episode would just be like, "Look, everyone farts." Okay? <laughs> yeah, no, we, should, we should we should send a correspondence to the Bowie Estate and suggest that they name the, the Tin Machine Greatest Hits album "Everyone yeah. Farts." All right, I. I think I'm like probably somewhere in the middle because on the one hand, I don't love every minute of this album. I will never love video crimes. It's just, it's perfect for that show you described, Lewis. You've sold me on it being good for something, but being good <laughs> for me. And you guys know that when I do my album ratings, I take points off if I skip songs. So therefore it can't be quite as high as yours, Lewis, because there are some songs I will skip. Mm. Not a huge number of them. There are some. Video Crimes is one, for sure, every time. But there are also, the moments that are good on this are really good. And there's enough here that I didn't have any choice in listening to this when I was younger because I just lived in a house where it was being played a lot. But the fact that I still, of my own volition, will listen to it and want to listen to it these days i think 30 years later says says a lot about it so i think that my mix i would definitely give like a four or five for sure but as an album i gotta give it somewhere closer to probably like a three seven five if i'm gonna really split which i think is a pretty honest take on it for me there's good there's really good moments in here and they're absolutely worth checking out not every moment of it is a five-star moment and that's okay lots of stuff's like that but it's really yeah. interesting for what it was. It's unique. I don't know that there's a whole lot else out there quite like it and the personalities involved. And so I like it for that kind of unique. It's something different, which is what I usually try to go for. So. Yeah, there I just one day my children will ask my future children will ask me what was music like in the late 80s, early 90s. And I feel like I can hand them 10 machine and be like, this is what it could have been like. Tell them that it was like a room full of farts. That's what I was going to say. I thought that's the direction you were going in, actually. <laughs> I, I felt like I beat the fart joke to death. But, yeah. I, like, I like Gord, too, um, man. <laughs> it's poor, now poor guy, I've decided know? going to be the name of my, men, my, the name of my memoirs. And also, I think, also, honestly, describes the Jonathan Richmond show I went to, sadly. Similar experience. Not with the farts, but just with being real disappointed with what I thought I was going to get and what I actually got, which is... Toma, I mean, yeah. Metaphorically Toma, if, if, if you've got the list, Toma, 
if you've got the list handy, room full of fire. I do. I just want to tell you, I just want to tell you that in, when we're like on episode 12,748, mm. that will actually be the name of our podcast. Yeah, right? there you nice. go. Like so, it. so it's last, on. go ahead, go ahead. You're, I just said I'm okay. writing it on the list. Cool. So I have, a, okay, so last thing before we go, I think it's my turn next time. Can I give you guys like five choices and then yes. can we oh, just, can we just, can you guys help me to just make the decision? Lewis, before I mean, you say no, remember that when we left him to his own devices, we got Taylor Swift. So. <laughs> it does feel a little. It will like help you made. pick. Like, Toma came with two albums. Yeah. And we weighed in. You've got five albums. I've got five. You can't, oh, you can't, well, you can't bend that down to two or three. I don't know, like, man. Five fucking albums you can't decide between? I don't know. It okay, seems, I, can, I could reduce it. It, it I, seems like you're asking a lot. Right, I could reduce it to three. I'll reduce it to three. I mean, three is reasonable. Five is, I'm right. probably not paying attention at four. Okay, all right. I'll reduce it. Okay, I got, okay, so three. All right, let's start with one possibility is Velvet Underground self-titled Banana Album. So that's one, the Banana Album. Okay. Option two is MGMT's sophomore record, Congratulations. Two. Fun. Okay. Option three is Tame Impala's, I want to say one, two, three, third record? No, fourth record, I think. Currents. Currents? Currents from 2015. So those are your three choices. Currents from 2015, so, Congratulations from 2010, Banana Album from, I think it's 67 maybe, or somewhere around there. I don't want to have to pull apart Tame Impala because they have changed um, a lot for me with every album. And again, I'm the one of the three of us that's still digging Inner Speaker. So, mm-hmm. or not Inner Speaker, the newest album. Yeah. Yeah, whatever that is. I'm... Sorry, don't support that. I'm the one of us that likes the new album. Yeah. I, my my way in, MGMT, mainly because it's a little newer and Velvet Underground deserves some serious consideration. I don't know if I want to blow it this early. I'd rather do MGMT because I've got nothing on that MGMT album in my head. Cool. Okay. Jenny. What, um... What is on that MGMT album? Um, I don't know. It's it's it. I don't. It wasn't like a huge hit. So like none of the singles came from that one. Uh, Flash Delirium. I don't know if you know that song. Okay. It's working. Well, here here's here's my take. I have no. I don't think I've ever listened to the Velvet Underground album, and if so, I sure don't remember it. Pretty sure I don't know anything about MGMs that MG I know one or two songs of theirs, but it sounds mm-hmm. like they're not on this album. No. If you if we do currents, I will be that person who's like mad the whole time that we're not doing inner speaker. <laughs> so I'm down to do it, but I'll be grumpy and that's fine. So with that in mind, you can choose whatever you want. Look, sure. dude, I love inner speaker too. And I really yeah. and I love lonerism also. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do like lonerism actually, but like Currents is like a point just, at which they just become I, a different band. Currents is just I, like I, I ear think, candy for me. It's just to me. It's yeah. just it's just like a fucking treat for the ears. I maybe I need to be forced to listen to it again and just stop being a bitch. I don't know. <laughs> These are all options. You know? Yeah. I you mean, know, go ahead. Part of and and this is the problem with giving us choices is mm-hmm. that now I well, now you change. 
I want to change mine to say Velvet Underground because Toma specifically said she hasn't spent a lot of time with it, and God damn it, that album is no amazing. Time. I spent no time with it that I know yeah, of. Yeah, it's not the Velvet Underground I would album I would send you to as uh, 2020 Ryan, but um, is is loaded? Is loaded the one you would send her to? Uh, maybe. I'd have to pull up the list real quick. Okay. Um, Banana Elm is the first... At least now, though, you you get to make an informed decision, though. That's true. more information than you have. Right. That's true. That's true. I don't know. I'm I'm definitely torn. I love all... I love all three of them. I feel like the Velvet Underground record is so intense and heavy. Are you... What do you want, Jenny? Do you want, like, a kind of intense and heavy week? Or do you want... Like, what are you feeling? What kind of music would you want to listen to? Like more happy go lucky, more intense and heavy. Do you care? And I don't care. Alonzo to weigh in. The self-titled Velvet Underground is the one that 2020 Ryan has been more dialed into. Got it. So not white light, white heat, not loaded, not banana. No. Self-titled. That's but, it has uh, crazy. The murder mystery is such an amazing song. Yeah. Here's here's so. the other thing too. You're gonna have picks and picks you do, you're not you know oh yeah necessarily know. gonna have to abandon all these that's so. true that's true that's we'll, we'll true get to them that's true I, you know what let's fucking do the banana let's do the banana man let's do cool. the banana let's record like i jenny i genuinely feel like you'll dig it oh such a all good right. album and and the yeah tra- just track so, one like slays me <laughs> like just so from there yeah. Can I also suggest something? Because mm-hmm. yeah. um, I think so. Next pick would be mine. Yes. And it's a big thing to bite off. Mm. So I'm thinking that a couple weeks is a good time frame in case you want to get a little bit of something else in during this Velvet Underground. When we were in high school, in this was when did this come out 1994 i believe let me see sorry i should have been more prepared how dare you yeah this is this podcast is the pinnacle of professionalism and efficiency and how dare you i'm sorry seriously (laughs) we're on on time on schedule every single time so without fail 19 so in 1994, Tom Petty put out an album called Wildflowers. Yes. And it was a very different Tom Petty album for Tom Petty's career. Yeah. In rural West Virginia, Tom Petty was a big staple of radio play. For sure. In the last couple of weeks, they have released a new cut of Wildflowers that is called Wildflowers and All the Rest. Originally, Wildflowers, produced by Rick Rubin, was intended to be a two-disc album. And the record label made Tom Petty cut it down to one. I want to do the same thing. But Wildflowers and all the rest, the full release of it, which it's on Amazon Music, it's big. It's got some live tracks. It's got some home recording tracks. It's got a whole disc that wasn't included in the original album. My thought is it would be fun to do a one disc Tom Petty Wildflowers out of this 
what is essentially a four disc box set. Oh my God. My, okay. my suggestion is to listen to the first like 24 tracks as if it's a two disc album and see if you can find the things you like and then take the latter half the home recordings and live and if there's a better version of songs that you like substitute it in it's a lot and i'm happy if we want to do that put me like three weeks away for something like this or even four weeks away for something like this i'm fine with that but no i started listening to this a couple weeks like when it Mm -hmm. came out and it's good like one wildflowers is way better than i wanted to believe it would be i remember really enjoying it and a lot of things i really enjoyed when i was a kid i find flaw with now i still really like the tracks i liked originally the tracks they add on are interesting and some of the other cuts of them are interesting as well i just remember so, uh, yeah i don't remember it too well like i just re- i remember last dance with mary jane i remember so what, not it, on this album really yeah okay i remember wildflowers that yeah. played on the radio all the time that's a beautiful yeah. song Honey, honeybee which is a great song this is just a it's a very different tom petty album um, Wait, when like did, I say, when did last chance, when did last dance with Mary Jane come? Like, last dance with Mary was Jane that was before or after? Ahead of this, yeah, it was ahead of this. Okay, um, sure, all right. Yeah, so this is Rick Rubin produced Tom Petty's Wildflowers. If you've got Amazon access to Amazon Music, Wildflowers and all the rest is the cut you want to take it from. And right on. It, it's a couple weeks away. It's no, a that's lot good. Of tracks. But I think it's I think it's a worthwhile thing to I'll fuck with it. Maybe palette plants. Yeah, banana plus wildflowers. Like I'll fuck with it. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, yeah that sounds good then. Okay. Cool. Alright.